All right, let's uh, just, just ask God to bless us as we delve into his word today. Father in heaven, bless us today as we consider this psalm and its implications. And also, our own lives bless us through your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 14, 1 to 3. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And then by definition, that fool, then it says, will be corrupted. They will do abominable things. And ultimately, it will lead to doing no good whatsoever. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. But they have all gone astray. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So the picture here is of the rejection of God that ultimately leads to nothingness and absolutely no good. Now, today I want to talk about atheism a bit, but I want to end up with something. And just in case I don't get there. Let me show you what I'm going to end with, okay? Don't worry, we're not going to be there at 2 o'clock, but I'm saying I want to make sure and not miss this. And that is this statement that I read this past week. When the foundations of the earth were laid, there was also laid the foundation of the Sabbath, which our special music was about. And I was shown that if the true Sabbath had been kept... There would never have been an infidel, that's someone who does not have faith, or an atheist. The observance of the Sabbath would have preserved the world from idolatry. So no infidels, none of those that don't have faith, no atheists, and no idolaters. If people were faithful in Sabbath observance. And when I saw that, I said, I have to read that. The other reason, I thought, was I preached a sermon on Sabbath observance last week. And then I looked on Instagram. And I realized that either some of you were not here or that you do not know how to keep the Sabbath in a way that would lead to conversion of infidels, atheists, or idolaters. And then I heard Dr. Dillon's sermon this morning about how his grandmother was looking out her window and watching some Seventh-day Adventists outside her window for how many months? For a few months, and she thought, these people are different. And that's what led her to become a Seventh-day Adventist. She went into the house and said, I've been watching you. Why do you do that? And they explained it, and she came to faith. If people were watching you on the Sabbath, would they come to faith? The 
The fourth commandment has been trampled upon, therefore we are called to repair the breach of the law and plead for the desecrated Sabbath. And just prior to the day of God, a message is sent forth to warn the people to come back to their allegiance to the law of God, which Antichrist has broken down. And attention must be called to the breach in the law by precept and example. It's not enough to have a sermon. It has to be something that's exampled. And I was shown that the precious promises of Isaiah 58, 12 through 14, if you turn your foot away from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, call the Sabbath a delight, honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own way or speaking your own words, doing your own pleasure or speaking your own words, then you shall delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob. So I was shown that the precious promises of Isaiah 58 apply to those who labor for the restoration of the true Sabbath. People will receive this message and raise the voice of warning in the world to keep the commandments of God and His law as the apple of the eye. And in response to this warning, many will embrace the Sabbath of the Lord. This is actually the special calling of every Seventh-day Adventist today. In other words, the bottom line at the end of time is your Sabbath observance. Or lack thereof. Okay, so how many can see why I did not want to miss that statement? Now, what did the statement say? If people truly kept the Sabbath, and by the way, if you want to convert your roommate, keep the Sabbath. By the way, you don't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeps you. But as you enter into it, you have an awesome influence. Like, I just love that testimony this morning, Dylan, (laughs) of that. The Adventists across the street. (laughs) But remember, if the true Sabbath had been kept, that is the true Sabbath, the seventh day, not any other day, the seventh day was specifically spelled out over and against the first day of the week or what they would call the eighth day of the week in the Orthodox churches because that was always associated with the worship of the sun. So it was very specific that Ordinal number seven, couldn't be five, couldn't be three, couldn't be one, had to be the seventh day because that's the day set aside. Specifically against Sunday worship. In its original context. Well, not the original, but the second giving that is in Exodus. Okay, so no atheists. So I just thought about that. And I said, you know, how is this connected to atheism? The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. They're corrupt. They've done abominable things. There's none that doeth good. Now, atheism is, the, is exactly what Pharaoh stood for. Remember Pharaoh? I remember Pharaoh. And he rejected God. 
and he rejected God's commandments. Of course, God led his people, led his people to Mount Sinai, where he gave him his commandments, which were a demonstration of his love, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. I got you out of there. And if you want to show your, I loved you enough to get you out of slavery. Some people teach that the Bible teaches slavery. It does not teach American slavery. It teaches emancipation from slavery. I got you out of the enslavement to 2,000 gods. Therefore, if you don't want to follow their commandments, which are kind of hard to keep up, 2,000 of them, then follow mine. It's the law of liberty. It's the law of love. But atheism doesn't like that. The atheist wants a world without rules. Works pretty well if you're the only atheist, because then you can prey on others. But atheist wants a world without inconvenient rules. Gambling, drugs... Sex of any kind with any person without guilt. Anything goes. Anybody can do anything. And everything is right because there's really no wrong. And if there is wrong, it's not from atheism. There's no morality in atheism. It's borrowed from something else. All the perks, but no, the, none of the burdens. And many are moving towards atheism. It's growing. But I want to suggest today that it's a bad choice to be, choose to be an atheist. Because you're ultimately choosing a world where people are seen just as animals. Or just as a combination of carbon and water. You're choosing a world where please and thank you are kind of not said because... That would assume free will. And if you're a pure atheist, then everything is determined. There was nothing really to choose. There's no reason to respect you or for you to respect anyone else. There's no definition of good and evil. Actions and occurrences are random and morally equivalent. Violent rape, petting a dog, picking a flower. You know, they're about the same. Because there's no way to decide. Survival of the fittest is the ultimate and might is right. Now I happen to think that most of the people in the world don't believe that because there's an example, the coronavirus. Everybody's very, very, very interested in saving their lives. (laughs) We'll come back to that. All that atheism can offer is a gradual but inevitable descent into mayhem or an orderly chipping away at innovation, freedom, and justice. So, you know, you can choose that for yourself. I had some great uncles that were very rich. And they thought it was really cool after they went to school at various places, Harvard and Caltech, to tell everybody how smart they were and not not really tell their kids what way to to, to grow up. And their kids basically (laughs) became wayward and they lost their focus. And, uh, And so I think 
the best thing to do is to point out the lunacy of atheism. I read a story in this book that I've been reading called Atheism Kills. The story of a Bedouin who was near Tel Aviv and he found a place to sleep and he thought, this is a wonderful place, I'm going to sleep here. It's got nice grass on either side of this nice little strip of land and it's, uh, you know, it's just beautiful. I'll just lay down here between these two rails here on these little slats and I'll sleep. So he did, he went to sleep. Beautiful. Then he heard this like loud sound way off in the distance and he said, what is that? And it went away, so he went back to sleep. Then a couple minutes later, he heard it again. But it was closer. He was, what's that? And uh, he, he ignored it. And then he woke up again. It was right on top of him with a huge light in the front. And before he knew it, this thing hit him. This monster hit him and knocked him off the tracks. And... Uh, Next thing he knew, he woke up in the Tel Aviv in a hospital, and all of his bones were essentially broken. It took him months to get out. And then he went home, and the state provided a nurse for him. He was at home, and he was getting better, and he was having physical therapy and everything else. He narrowly survived. And the nurse that was taking care of him decided one day to make him some tea. So she went out, and she put the teapot on the burner, and all of a sudden, when it got hot, it began to, what do teapots do? Began to whistle like the sound of that train that had hit him. And he heard just a hint of it. And as soon as, as soon as he heard it, he got up with his walker, and he went over as fast as he could, and he began to hit the tea. He just beat up the tea kettle, and he knocked it, and he just, he just ripped it apart, and the kitchen was a wreck. And the nurse says, what happened? <laughs> and he said, I know that voice. I know that sound. You've got to kill these things when they're little. And that's what I think we should do when we relate to atheism. It's not just a small choice. And there can be whistles that start to go off right here in our minds. There have been graduates of this place that actually have made themselves a public spectacle as atheists. There have been presidents of this institution that have left here and become atheists. There have been students that have been at this institution on the left here and became atheists. So let's just go through some of the information and then come back to our quote. The French Revolution. Some say that is one of the modern examples of, of atheism. In other words, within the last several hundred years. The dechristianization of France. 30,000 priests were killed. The calendar was changed, a direct attack on the Sabbath to a 10-day week. Churches were turned into temples of reason. There was a reign of terror. Alexander Hamilton, when writing about the French Revolution, said, France 
has abandoned religion in favor of a gloomy, persecuting, and desolating atheism. Coming out of it, communism came out of this. Stalin, a quest for world communism, a world godless communism, ruthless rapes and murders, 30 million plus deaths, no one knows for sure, all in the name of transformation, as directed by a small elite few who would tell everyone else what to do. Freedom of choice? No. No freedom of choice. Freedom of the press? No. Freedom of religion? No. All based on Marxist-Leninism, a philosophy which is at its core irreligious, anti-clerical. Marx, Lenin, Stalin, all were avowed atheists. And what is it that Stalin tried to do at the Sabbath? A five-day work week instead of a ten-day work week, but a direct attack again on the Sabbath. How many beginning to see a pattern? Mao. Oh, by the way, the famous dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when he wrote that epic series, The Gulag Arts Pelago, stated in his uh, famous address, man has forgotten God. And this is why all this has happened. When you forget God, you can forget everything else. Because those first five commandments have all to do with God. Thou shalt have no other gods. Don't make any images. Don't take his name in vain. Spend a day celebrating his creation and his redemption. And as parents, teach it to your kids, fifth commandment. But if you don't do that, if you lose that, what do you have next? Murder, sexual issues, stealing, lying, coveting, unbridled greed. How many can see how the Ten Commandments are actually a protector of society? And this was all a text, specifically in France and in Russia. In fact, in France, when they put up this new, you know, Republic, they actually made the commandments of the new nation to look like a table of the Ten Commandments. They co-opted the churches. What about Mao? Reigned 27 years in China. 40 to 70 million people killed. Starvation, execution, hard labor. They targeted the so-called black elements. Who were the black elements? Religious leaders, the rich, doctors, teachers, Lawyers, they even killed cats and promoted cannibalism. Cats, why? Because that was like the bourgeois, that was rich. If you were rich enough to have a cat, then something wrong with you. How many of you like cats? Don't raise your hands. Anyways, (laughs) cats. And also, they taught cannibalism even. It was not about just eliminating your class enemy, you not only killed your enemy, you ate him. This was what was happening under Mao's China. And you know what? He published a whole book of the thoughts of Chairman Mao. Instead of God's thoughts, the thoughts of Chairman Mao. And he didn't mind you called him God, even though he didn't believe in God. As long as it was with him. Castro, 35 to 140,000 deaths, declared Cuba... An atheist state does not believe in God, considered religion to be backward. Nikolai Ceausescu, thousands of deaths in Romania, 
Tito in Yugoslavia, thousands of deaths. Ho Chi Minh, thousands of deaths in Vietnam. Pol Pot, especially did not like glasses. I'm out of luck. You got killed if you had glasses. Kim, the second Soon, Jun Yung. And then the other Soongs of North Korea, 1.5 million people killed. Benito Mussolini, thousands of deaths. Here's the thing. You take atheism and you play around with yourself as if you think it's no big deal. That might be not really fine. It's foolish. The fool has said in his heart. And I can tell you, in my own personal testimony, I actually became an atheist for a while and it did not help me at all. But you can play around with it just yourself, but if it catches on in a society, it always has been a disaster and deadly. Adolf Hitler, 11 million Jews, especially hated the Sabbath day. He especially hated the Ten Commandments. Some people say, no, he was a Christian. He wasn't a Christian until win the election. He said this, we need free men who feel and know that God is in themselves. That's a recipe for disaster. If you've ever had a sibling that thought they were God, how many of you know that this is not good? The old beliefs need to be brought back and honored again, said Hitler. The whole secret knowledge of nature and of the divine and of the demonic. We will wash away the Christian veneer and bring back the religion that's peculiar to our Aryan race. They wanted to go back to the pagan world, the beautiful, the naturalistic, the natural hierarchies based on supremacy of the strong because the strong equaled good and powerful equaled civilization. And the world did have a kind of God that is the merciless God of nature, the brutal God of, of race, the oppressive God of hierarchy. And so he brought it back with him in charge. He even called himself the Fuhrer, which is the father, our father, which art in Berlin. Hallowed be thy name, the third right come. And let it never be undone. In fact, they've studied his speeches, and it was as if he had taken the New Testament and changed all the stories to put him in charge and to replace the Christian narrative with the Nazi narrative. One author says this he sought to eliminate God, and the people who gave the world God's troublesome Ten Commandments. Those Jews. And by extension, those Christians. The above are just some of the most famous godless leaders who destroyed, tortured, pillaged, and killed on a mouse scale because they said in their heart, <laughs> what? There's no God. And what did the text say would happen when you say that? They're corrupt. They've done abominable works, and there's none that doeth good. You show me a nation that's godless, and I'll show you a nation of debauchery. There's never been one that showed any positive fruits. Oh, maybe one day, but not in the trajectory. Atheism 
was related to the birth of the abortion culture. 1920, the communist Russia became the first country to legalize abortion on birth without restrictions up until the very day of birth. And the Bolsheviks were the first that designed a machine for suction abortions, the same machine being used today in abortions. Until recently, Russian women had an average of seven abortions over their lifetime. 2003, there were 13 abortions in Russia for every 10 live births. In 2009, there were 73 abortions per 100 births. In 2012 year alone, there were 6.7 million abortions in that year alone. The fool has said in his heart there's no God, and that kills. Atheism kills. The absence of God has always led to the ascent of evil. Eugenics programs, no free speech, no free religion, no value in any difference. A world of mayhem where evil flourishes and ultimately the gulags, the gas chambers, the torture and the rape rooms. Have I convinced you that atheism might not be the best thing? Don't go to sleep and let the train run over you. It will get closer and if you toy with it, it will hurt you. And I can say that from my own personal testimony. Unfortunately, there was a time in my life when I began to think about the atheism culture and about no God. And that's because I didn't like the rules of God. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. How many of you have ever struggled with this, just wanting to do what you want to do? Everybody should be raising their hand. You struggled with raising your hand because you maybe didn't want to do that. But I want to look a little deeper today than just a diatribe against atheism, which I don't think I had to convince many of you, however you may not have known some of the nuances. Looking a little bit deeper, back at the French Revolution forever, in the generation just before, Voltaire died one of the most famous French authors. He died in, just before the French Revolution, about 20 years before, but he laid the foundation largely for it in many ways. He was a very angry man because his father was a very angry man. He and his father fought constantly. The father authorized, even in one of these fights, having his son sent to prison or to exile in the West Indies. How many think that's a pretty bad family fight? Well, maybe someone sent you here to Weimar. No, you're laughing, but sometimes that happens. I can't handle the kids anymore. I'm going to send them to Weimar. <laughs> but you know, the kid comes and he's very upset because of how angry the dad was. And that doesn't go away just because he's eating tofu. <laughs> he hated his father so much that he changed his name from Maru to Voltaire. And his criticism of religion was frequent, intense, and radical. So we like to say, something wrong with atheism. Oh, I'm not like that. But wait a minute. What was the reason that person became an atheist? It was a human relationship that was not godly. Hitler's father was a violent man who unmercifully beat Adolf day after day, 
beat his mother, even beat the family dog. And he died with Adolf, was only 14 years old. But the die had been cast in Adolf's life. His atheism was not so much a reaction against Christianity, but against Christianity gone bad. Stolen, administered brutal beatings to his son day after day after day. Mao, his father was a family tyrant. He hated his father. And he wrote his first writings about the appreciation of revolution and rebellion when he was a young boy in his family home. You see, if you're a parent that's not connected with God in those first four commandments, you love God, you truly love God, then you're going to have a distortion somewhere and your kids are going to be tempted to reject not just you, but your God. Marx's father, this one really got me, Marx, his father, abandoned their Jewish faith. Carl, his son, said, Why must we abandon our faith? Why must we not keep the Sabbath? Why do we need to attend a Lutheran church? Son, we must abandon our faith so that people will accept us and support our business ventures in this country. Hmm. Business took place, the place of our father's business. And this really disgruntled Carl. He never got over his disappointment and bitterness. The faith in his father and his father's religion were crushed. He left Germany. He went to England to study. And he formed and wrote a philosopher of life that changed the entire world. One third of the world fell under the spell of its ideology. And billions were ruined as a result of that book that came as a result of a family that rejected the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath. I'm beginning to see a theme. Freud's father. By the way, sometimes when we reject God, we might go for a strong dictator type. We might say, I'll vote for that person. They'll make everything right. Because might is right. But Freud, sometimes we serve into psychology. And psychology can also take us in distorted ways. He rejected Judaism. His, Freud's father had, was a Torah scholar. A Hasidic Jew. He rejected that, moved his family to Vienna, where young Sigmund grew up. There was never financial stability. Sigmund developed a fear of poverty. And then he had another memory that played in his mind. I read it to you. When I was a young man, I went for a walk one Saturday, one formerly Sabbath for them, with my father. Well dressed up and had a new fur cap in my head. This is a story his father actually told him. And a Christian came up to me and with a single blow knocked off my cap into the mug and shouted, Jew! And Sigmund asked his father, and what did you do? And his father said, I just picked up my cap and walked on. And Sigmund didn't like that answer. The whole thing seemed so patently infantile, he said, of religion, so incongruous with reality that to one whose attitude of humanity is friendly, it is painful to think that the great majority of mortals will ever be able to rise above this view of life. So look at this. 
I started out by saying, hey, look, at the end of time, God's going to have a people that stand for the Sabbath. How many can see why that statement is so important? Oh, wait a minute. How many can see why that statement is so important? Because the Sabbath is a summary of what? The first three commandments is showing connectedness with God. It gives the marching orders for the parent and for the administrator and for the teacher to share that identity with God is the most important thing. And if you're not keeping the Sabbath, you're showing people that that's not the most important thing. Did that make logical sense, what I just said? You're showing people that that's not the most important thing. And how do they relate to that? Young people and any people don't like people that say they stand for something that they really don't stand for. They don't like them. Yes or no? And some of those young people have done a lot of damage to a lot of people. Yes or no? And they really have been reacting to fake religion. The Inquisition. They point this out, atheists, all the time. Look at all those people they killed. They were Christians. No, that was Catholic corrupted Christianity. It was not a reflection of true Christianity. What about the Crusades? No, that was an unbiblical view of Jews and of Jerusalem. And although there were 1.6 million people killed in the Crusades, it was over 177 years, or about 6,000 a year. But it was certainly not what the Bible teaches about what should be done. There is nothing sacred about the land of Israel in terms of its earth. Jesus didn't say, the meek shall inherit Palestine. He said, the meek shall inherit the earth. Everywhere. Can you say amen? amen. So it's a, it's a distortion. Luther, what about his anti-Semitism? Well, it was personal. It was not ordered by the church. And so this was his own personal view, not the view of Christianity. Slavery and racism. It's not taught in the scriptures. I heard it last week. Bill Maher, someone sent me a clip of this very crass comedian. He went through all the talking points that I used to go through when I was rejecting God, none of which are taught in Scripture, only accepted if you really haven't studied Scripture and really look closely. Religious wars. There were religious wars. About 8 million people died in the 30 years war, but that's nothing compared to Chairman Mao, 70 million? And again, it was a distortion that led to those murders. Eugenics. Ultimately, it was Jews and Christians that fought against it, not atheists. They had no way to fight against any of these things. For an atheist, it's not wrong to have crusades. It's not wrong to have an inquisition. It's not wrong to be anti-Semitic. It's not wrong to enslave people or be racist because there is no right and wrong. So there's no way to be moral about anything. And they try and be moral about the fact that they're immoral. I know, because I used to be one. Because it ends every discussion. If you say to your dad, look, I don't believe in your religion anymore. I don't believe in the Bible. There's no reason to talk. 
Don't tell me what's right and wrong because I rejected that. It's the end of discussion. But it's the beginning of misery and pain. Maybe not right then because you're young and you think you're invincible. You think that everything will work just as it worked. But then you get hit by the train that atheism really is. How many of you understand what I'm saying? The pedophile scandal. Atheists many times point to that. Why should they even be concerned? Number one, it is wrong, but they're using a Christian argument as an atheist. Not fair! <laughs> Brutal takeover in Africa and Australia and the Americas. These are all heinous things. Even here in California, the genocide. Even on this campus, this was a very racist campus. It was all poor people here. It was people in that New Start Inn originally were Indians and they had barbed wire around their compound. Never could get out. You could check into Weimar, but you could never leave. It was like Hotel California. And it was all of the poor people. It was all the poor people that came here that nobody else wanted. And they said they're going to die anyway. And they did. And they put them over in the cemetery in unmarked graves, essentially. This is all godlessness. So in other words, the point I'm making is atheism is a bad choice. I've shown you why. But I've also shown you the underbelly. Why is it that people are gripped by atheism? Why was I gripped by it? Why might you be gripped? It may be because you have a bad relationship with your dad or didn't have a dad. It may be because you have a bad relationship with your mom. It may be because you have a bad relationship with someone else who supposedly stood for the church. It may be those things. But don't do what I did. Don't try and throw everything out with all or nothing thinking just because you happen to have a bad experience. If Dylan did that, he wouldn't be here today. He had many bad experiences. But God brought you through them. Yeah, you know, religion is kind of like a vehicle. And vehicles can be misused. How many of you have ever seen someone that had a nice vehicle that they misused? Should we get rid of all cars because of that? Should we get rid of all planes because of that? Because someone stabbed someone else with a fork? Should we never use a fork again? Because kids get old and they hurt people, should we never have children? No. Should we abandon all parents, all judges, all police, all schools, all hospitals, all prisons, all computers, all scientific theories because there have been bad ones? There's no logic to that. But that's the logic many of us use. And then we go down this road to painful, godless atheism that seems good at first because there's no rules. <laughs> and then we get hurt. <clears throat> but there are hopeful signs. Did you know that in China, Christianity is going very rapidly, 7% a year. There's going to be more Christians in China by 2030 than anywhere else in the world. And one of the reasons that they're accepting Christianity is because they see that the fruits that came from the Christian roots are something that has helped their culture. Science did not come from China. Science came from Judeo-Christian religion. The scientific method found its birth in the pages of the Old Testament. And it was only where that was fostered that scientific thought was fostered. So don't buy the atheist argument. But I believe in science, and you believe in faith. Because they would have no science without faith. 
And those folks in China, guess what kind of weddings they want to have? Christian weddings. They don't know exactly what it means, but they like that fact that it's sacred and it's holy and they're growing by leaps and bounds, which is why you see this suppressive government right now trying to do away with it, digging, digging mass graves for various religious groups. But it's growing rapidly. Even in our church. Russia, even Russia, the Russia of the 1990s has now changed. They're rebuilding churches. They, they see problems with the moral behavior in their society. In, in Putin, and I'm no supporter of Putin, even though my name's Donald, I'm not. That was supposed to be a light moment, but I guess some of you didn't see that. <laughs> so Putin is decrying... I'm dead now. I mean, I'm going to just stay up here and keep preaching till my death. Okay, Putin... Putin decries secularism. He says this, it's a turn toward chaotic darkness, toward a primitive state, to the evil of godlessness. <laughs> That's a little different rhetoric than Lenin and Marx. And I'm not saying that he's not a Leninist or a Marxist, but I'm saying it's kind of interesting. I mean, I think that's kind of interesting. We know that at the end of time, there's going to be a massive revival and people are going to come together on a religious plane. Is that right or no? And even atheists themselves. Penn Gillette, the talkative half of Penn and Teller, the Las Vegas comedia team, is a very outspoken atheist. He's written books on it. But he posted a blog on his personal website about a man who came to one of his shows and gave him a Bible. You want to hear what he had to say? At the end of the show, as I mentioned before, we go out and we talk to folks, you know, assign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there's this one guy waiting over on the side. And he walks over to me and he says, I was here last night at the show and I saw the show and I liked the show. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and confident about my honesty and all this stuff. He said real nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a Gideon pocket edition from the New Testament and the Psalms, a little book. And he said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of proselytizing here. I'm giving you this book because I wanted to change your mind. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm sane. I'm not crazy. <laughs> and he looked at me right in the eye, and he did all this. And it was really wonderful, said this very famous atheist. I believe he knew that I was an atheist, but he was not defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes, and he was really complimentary, and it didn't seem like flattery. He was just kind and nice and sane and looked me right in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said that I don't respect people. Listen to this. I've always said I don't respect people, especially Christians is the intimation, that don't proselytize. I don't respect them. I don't respect them at all. Now, by the way, that's what Hitler would say about his dad. That's what Chairman Mao would say about his dad. That's what Marx would say about his dad. I don't respect them at all because they don't stand for what they're supposed to stand for. I don't respect them, says, says this comedian. I don't respect that at all. 
If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and that people could go to hell and not get eternal life or whatever you believe, and you think that, well, it's not really worth telling this because it might make it socially awkward for me. If you think that and you think, I'm not going to tell them because it might make it weird for me. How much do you have to hate somebody to do that, he said. How much do you have to hate someone to not proselytize, to not talk about God, to not talk about the truth, to not share with people what could give them not just life, but eternal life. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them about it? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, but that truck was bearing down on you, he continued, there's a point when I would tackle you and get you out of the way of the truck. And this is actually more important than that. I've always thought that. I've always written about that. And always believe that conceptually. This is an honest atheist. And many atheists are honest. They'd be honestly wrong about some things, but they're honest many times. When I went through that stint of atheism, I was very honest about it. Don't always assume that someone who says they're an atheist is just kind of a whack job. Maybe they were the recipient of a whack job. So listen closely. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be apt to teach. In humility, correcting those who oppose themselves. If perchance they may come to the senses and escape the corruption that is in the world, being taken captive by the devil to do his will. So don't quarrel, don't argue. Listen respectfully and maybe hand them a Bible. Or, in our context, now we're closing up. (laughs) Maybe keep the Sabbath. Don't just be as general as a given a Bible. What is the special thing for this time? What is the special activity for this time that's going to get people's attention, just like it got Dylan's grandmother's attention? What is the special activity for this time that pulls together the understanding you have in your mind that Christ is your Redeemer and that Christ is your Creator? What is the special activity for this time? Sabbath observance. How many of you are understanding what I'm saying? Penn continued talking about this Christian. The guy was a really good guy. He was polite. He was honest. He was saying he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a Bible, which he had written a little note to me. It was like, I liked your show and so on. And then he gave like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now I know, he said, there's no God. The one polite person, that one polite person living his right doesn't change that for me but I'll tell you he was a very 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 good man and that's really important and with that kind of goodness it's okay to have that that deep of a disagreement 
I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, this was a really good man who gave me that book. That's all I want to say. How many want to be like that? You're talking to an atheist, and they're like, okay, I, 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 I'm still an atheist, but I'm, you're a good person. Where does the word good come from? There is no good but God, right? When you say goodbye, that means God be with you. <laughs> I've always told my atheist friends that. I said, you're growing. <laughs> goodbye to you, too. You're like, what? <laughs> so... So look, friends, <clears throat> let me go back to the first quote. <clears throat> and let me just make the point as we're closing. And let me remind you of why I'm preaching the sermon. <laughs> the reason I'm preaching the sermon is because last week I preached a sermon on Sabbath observance. Did I say this before? And then after I got through with the sermon, a couple days later, I was looking at Instagram and I realized that some people either did not listen or weren't here, but they actually were doing things that would not lead people who were watching them to think that they were keeping the Sabbath. And essentially, the Sabbath is not about legalistically keeping it so you get saved. It's about keeping it because you know it's out of gratitude that he redeemed you and that he created you. And because, because of that, you want to honor him and please him in what you're doing. And not only that, just like our week of prayer speakers were saying, it's not enough to have your own prayer life and your own Bible study and learn how to suffer with God through suffering. You need to also witness for him. And if your activity, whatever it is, is giving people a mixed message or no message at all, which is a mixed message. Silence is a message. Then are you really being nice to that, those around you? Let me read this quote again. When the foundations of the earth were laid, then also was laid the foundation of the Sabbath. And I was shown that if the true Sabbath had been kept, there would have never been an infidel or an atheist. The observance of the Sabbath, the what? Observance of the Sabbath would have preserved the world from idolatry, atheism, infidelity. It would have preserved the world from Karl Marx. How many think that would have been a blessing? It would have preserved the world from Adolf Hitler. How many think that would have been a blessing? It would have preserved the world from Chairman Mao. How many think that would have been a blessing? It would have preserved the world from Nikolai Ceausescu. How many think that would have been a blessing? It would have preserved the world from Tito. How many think that would have been a blessing? It would have preserved the world. I could go on. What stood in the way? A lack of Sabbath observance. Just prior to the great day of God. How many think we're just prior to that now? A message is set forth to warn the people to come back to their allegiance to the law of God, which Antichrist, we've been talking all week how to connect with Christ. Anti is something in place of Christ, which Antichrist is broken down. Attention must be called to the breach of the law 
By precept, not just what the preacher says, but also example, by another word, Sabbath what? Observance. People who receive this message and raise the voice of warning to the world to keep the commandments of God and His law as the apple of His eye, there will be those that arise to do that. They're the ones who believe in the third angel's message of Revelation 14. What will happen in response to this warning? Those within the church will receive the promises of Isaiah 58. That with the heritage of Jacob, so they can go through Jacob's trouble. Riding on the high hills of the earth. And what happens to those outside? Many will embrace the Sabbath and the Christ of the Sabbath at the end of time. So I want to plead with myself and you again. How is it with you? Why are you here was the question our elder asked today. Why are you here on this planet at this time? Why? It's to know God. And it's to make Him known. It's to know God. First five commandments. First four commandments especially. Make Him known, fifth commandment. So that people don't have to kill. Don't have to get sexually confused. Don't have to lie. Don't have to steal. Don't have to covet. That's why Christ came as well. And the Christ of the Sabbath day can be your Christ today. How many of you want to re-accept Christ today? Say, come into my life. Come into my heart. Write your law on my heart and mind. When I'm out today, walking in nature or whatever I'm doing, help me have activities that point people to you. Whatever I'm doing. Whatever I'm doing. You know where this usually fails? When all of your friends are from your same supposed Christian group. And you think, no, we're just all together. That's why it's good for every single one of you to have somebody you're witnessing to. Because what you are doing or not doing makes a big, big difference. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.